Cardigan Academy, your helpers for all things mental health, parenting, and education. I'm Devani. And I'm Stacy. And today we're talking about emotional thermostats. So this term came about from an analogy in a podcast I listened to with my kids called Brains On. Uh, They had a series on emotions. So they did one on anger, one on sadness, one on happiness, and one on fear, very much like Inside Out. But they were talking about how people have different emotional thermostats. What is I don't want to say too much, but what is a lot of emotion for one person is easily regulated by another or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I have also explored the terms highly sensitive person. I went to a highly mm-hmm. sensitive person workshop once. This is what they mean by empath. All of these ideas are floating around in my head, especially as I'm catching up on a lot of doctor's appointments that were put off due to the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. so last week I had an appointment and I went from, you know, the person that checks you in at the desk and then the nurse, and then you finally see the doctor and then you're back out to the person at the front desk. And maybe you need to ask someone for directions in the meantime, or someone waves you off in traffic. And I get home and I'm just very tired. (laughs) From all of that interaction, and I'm thinking, how come some people go to to work and don't feel that way? And I think it comes back to my emotional thermostat and that I am considering a lot about every interaction I'm having. I'm very intentional about the words I choose. I will spend time thinking, you know, that lady at the front desk seemed kind of upset, but then, you know, she took a phone call and it sounded like that might have been a personal phone call because she said, I'll call you right back. And then when I sat down, I could hear... (laughs) Like, is she okay? Is she having a bad day? (laughs) Yes. So it's all of that as well. And Stacey, I know you're like this too. And I know we both have at least one kid each like this. So it is definitely a relevant topic of conversation. It is. And I, on these days that are like this, I've gotten messages from you, especially with the pandemic, where you say it's very people-y out there. I know right away what you mean. And I'm listening to this and thinking... I also know that you and I love people and interacting Mm -hmm. with people like we're sort of energized by it and and sometimes we're depleted by it. And I, I feel like I'm not acclimated to it with all of the staying Mm -hmm. in that we've done (laughs) again, reminder to everybody, we homeschool, but homeschoolers are usually with other people a lot and we haven't been. And I feel, I talk to some people, especially people who live alone um, that say they feel like they lost their social skills even and that they realize they don't have anyone to talk to all day and that when they are with people it's like talking a ton and kind of like a you know young moms sometimes when they go out with adults and they're like ah sorry haven't been with an adult in a really long time (laughs) that same idea so there's like the pandemic's definitely compounding that feeling but I'm the same way I I I can walk into a room and if people in that room have recently had an argument mm-hmm. even if they seem fine I know 
I feel it. Like there's a, I can feel that tension. And, and Max is like that. How come everything feels a little tense right now? Like they can like emerge from playing video games and no. <laughs> it's almost the same feeling as when a storm's about to come through. Like it's the same sort of subtle, the wind's just a little bit different and the color mm-hmm. in the sky. And I don't know, maybe if you weren't tuned into it, it wouldn't be so noticeable, but I definitely am. And I also had a conversation with my husband recently about take that to the next step. We were talking about how we each had an experience recently. Mine was getting food somewhere and very clearly the employee that was waiting on me was frustrated with a coworker. So they were having this interaction with me and simultaneously having an interaction with the coworker and were frustrated about that. And there was some eye rolling and some sighing. My husband, it was um, medical offices. One person he interacted with was saying things like, the first person you talked to didn't ask you all these things. And Rob's <laughs> assuring them, no, they didn't. And then again, no. well, I've told her that that's what she needs to do. And so now they're dumping this frustration <laughs> on you. They're not even... It's not even like, oh, I feel like something's going on here. It's like blatant in your face, right? And being the way we are and even how Cardigan Academy, we joke that it's become a verb. Like it's hard <laughs> in those moments to not want to Cardigan Academy all of it. And and sometimes that's not even stepping in and mediating. It's just, you know, leaving and thinking like this is something that people should consider in a professional setting, that they aren't airing their frustrations in front of the customer, in front of the patient. Mm-hmm. Because that really just, I don't, I felt like they were dumping it on us. Like, here, you take some of this too with your popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) The healthy side order of my annoyances. (laughs) (laughs) I had that recently too, where somebody had an issue and they were having a hard time coming up with a solution and they didn't know what to do. And they're very stressed out about it. And every solution that was proposed was a problem (laughs) for, Mm -hmm. you know, that, saying that uh, every, how does that go? Every problem, a problem for every solution. Yes. I just remember after a while looking at my husband who was sitting there also. And I just said, this is not my problem. Like, this is not my problem. Like I, but they were trying to make it my problem. Mm -hmm. And I almost started to get sucked in and then realized, wait, no, this is not. And I think you and I, Devani are by nature helpers. Mr. Rogers is one of our heroes. Mm We love to make people feel good and supported and helped and reassured. That's our nature. And so, yeah, I, I can't just turn that off. And mm-hmm. so if I'm even in a store, I, I, don't, I have a really hard time when I hear a parent yelling at a child. Mm-hmm. That, and that's twofold. That's emotional thermostat and that's a trauma response too. But I always want to go sort of near it. I don't want to get too close because mm-hmm. I'm a little scared myself, you know, but I also want to go close enough that I can catch the child's eye and smile or wave so that the child has a buffer. Or if it feels approachable, I like to say to the parent, like, oh, they look so sweet or so, oh, how old is, you know, something that softens the mm-hmm. situation. Because if you say sometimes, hey, don't yell at your kid like that, you know, they're, sometimes the kid's going to pay for that later at home. And it's just such a fine line of trying to maybe present a different perspective to someone to soften it, um, which reminds me of I uh, had a an interaction one time with someone who it was the first time their daughter was home alone with their younger siblings. And the parents were kind of like, oh, and, you know, she she knew that the parents were busy. So she, she called the grandmother 
about this thing. And it's like, they looked at it as, see, this didn't work because here's what she did. And I, I was sincerely like, wow, it sounds like she was really resourceful. She knew not mm -hmm. to bother you guys at your meeting. And she knew it wasn't so extreme to call 911, but she wasn't exactly sure. So she was resourceful enough to call her. And I remember the mom being like, she just sort of looked up, cocked her head to one side and said, oh my gosh, you're right. I, I hadn't looked at it that way. You're right. And they went from annoyed with she's not staying home alone again for a while because mm -hmm. she blew it to, oh, you know what? That's true. She did handle it. So you want to like soften things, buffer things, give a different perspective, which is, you know, some of that's what we what do we in, do? <laughs> in Cardigan Academy, whether it's homeschool advice or, you know, our parenting and mental health groups, whatever the thing is, there's a lot of that involved. I, I had an experience a while back where I attended a virtual support group for myself it was kind of hard like i it was a it's a it's a volunteer organization so there was not a therapist it was like all peer person facilitating it did a wonderful job it was really good but i don't it was so hard to take the therapist hat off because as each person shared i had to like i don't know like it wasn't i even checked with myself it wasn't that i wanted to do the talking it wasn't that i wanted control or to attend none of those things it was just this is what i do and so like I wanted to validate and show their resilience, but I had to, I had to like hold it back and be like, no, I I'm here for me too. I'm not working right now. I'm not, but it didn't feel burdensome either. It felt like I like doing this. I yeah. like helping people, but like you say, when that thermostat is turned up like that, I feel like the typical, like you said, how do people do this every day? The, the things that might be typical to someone with a maybe more neutrally set thermostat, for us, when it's turned up, I, it either energizes us or depletes us, and sometimes both. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the importance of boundaries comes in. And we mm -hmm. do a whole workshop on that as well, because it is difficult when it is something you enjoy and mm -hmm. you're good at, and it also depletes your resources no matter what. So yep. I have had a lot of conversations with my husband about that too, where he would say probably about 10 years ago that I would tend to try to do all the things because I really did enjoy all the things. But no matter how much you love it, there's not enough time in the day to do all the things. And, and when I say things, that can be being a very present friend for mm -hmm. someone or, you know, organizing a family reunion or being taking on the volunteer volunteer secretary position in the mom's group that I was a part of. And so when you add several of these things together, it adds up time-wise. Yeah, it really does. And I think evaluating that, where is this coming from? Why am I saying yes to this? Is it because I want to? Is it because I, because sometimes, right, those looser boundaries and speaking for myself, I have had times where I've overextended and it has been a trauma response. It's mm -hmm. my, my worth lies in what I can do, how productive I am, what I can do for others, learning to reframe that and recognize my inherent worth regardless of that has been definitely a process through therapy. But I, I find myself, um, I said to my kids the other day that when I find myself wishing I were super wealthy, for example, it's not so I can have a yacht and do all these things. Like I often think that if I had the kind of money like Oprah and Jeff Bezos had, I would love to just go around and make people's lives easier. Mm -hmm. I would love to do that because I know how much I appreciate it when someone does any little thing for me. And that's almost always my first thought is, oh, 
I could do this for a full-time job is just go around and make people's lives a little easier because life is hard. And I have that same thought with, um, when you say there's not enough hours in the day, I often say, I wish, sometimes I wish there were a clone of me and it's not because of overextending or if sometimes, sometimes there is that, again, that trauma response, but it's because I'm super interested in all the things and I want to do all the things. And sometimes, sometimes going to bed just feels like, oh man, but I'm just going to sleep. And let me know, sleep is very, very important. But I do find myself procrastinating going to bed sometimes because it, I want to do the things and stay up and read and watch a show and talk to a friend and analyze, whatever the thing is. I just, that wish to be cloned is a desire to do, I've never, you don't, I don't think I've ever said the words, I'm bored. If I, I have, it's been rare and for being funny, I'm never bored. And I know these are the busiest days of my life right now with my kids home, especially because we homeschool and I will miss them terribly when they are no longer here. And mm -hmm. I also look forward to retirement because it's, it's more time to do the things. Yeah. Just anything. Take a class, read a book. Like, I just, I feel like there's just so much world out there, you know, and I love learning. And so, yeah, that's, that's where, but again, the emotional thermostat being turned up. Right. So it doesn't matter if it's excitement and interest in something mm -hmm. or emotions that sometimes our society perceives as negative, like sadness or anger. Mm -hmm. You just feel it all a lot. I was a lot, a lot. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about all the things you were saying, like, is it being an empath? Is it an emotional thermostat? Is it like all the different things that it can be? And I was thinking about, I've been studying a little bit more about ADHD for the past, I don't know, several years. I didn't realize this because everyone, you know, people have these stereotypes when they talk about ADHD and it's almost always a, a restless little boy in a classroom. That's mm -hmm. kind of what comes to mind. Um, but there are many women getting diagnosed with ADHD later in life. And that's not how it presents. And a lot of women have been amazing students and done very well in school. And so when they get to be 45 years old and their doctor says, I think you have ADHD or their therapist or someone, they're astounded and saying, but how? I, I was such a good student. And some of that comes from being in a culture that expects a lot of women. And so you learn to mask, you learn to do have a workaround to, to make things survivable and our normal is our normal we don't know you know until we learn other ways but what i've been learning about adhd besides all the bazillion browser tabs open in our brain and not being able to follow our train of thought and a million ideas all that stuff there's this component called rsd which stands for rejection sensitive dysphoria when i read about it i was like oh, I have experienced this my whole life. Like I can still feel what it felt like in eighth grade to be ignored by the other girls. That pain was palpable. Like it wasn't just, oh man, this sucks. It hurt feeling that rejection. Somebody doesn't like you anymore. Or like, I just, I always felt like if somebody moved away or a breakup or end of a friendship that I always felt like I, is this how normal people feel things? Cause I, I sometimes feel like, I think I feel things like 10 times turned up mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's, it hurt every, so things hurt more when I've been depressed. It's profound when I've been sad or grieving. I know everyone goes through that. I'm not 
in any way doing the trauma Olympic thing or minimizing, but it's just, they're just the times you're feeling a feeling so strongly that you think, is this, this is what everybody, it's that thing of where you look at the sky and see a blue sky. And, and I, even as a little kid used to wonder, is the blue that I'm seeing the same blue that other people mm-hmm. see? And I feel that about my feelings, the feeling, the, the profound intensity of the feelings I feel, is that what other people feel? Or is, cause I feel, I, I know some people who seem to just be like, yeah, that was kind of annoying and mm-hmm. they move on with their day. And I'm just like, how did you do that? <laughs> Yeah. And then I read two blogs come to mind and both of them, whatever this is, emotional (laughs) thermostat, reading their internal thoughts about a situation, they're both women about our age, make me realize whatever it is, they, it's like reading your own thoughts. (laughs) And it's, there's a sense of relief there. I think that, okay, there is someone that had an interaction yesterday or 30 years ago and is still thinking about it. Yeah, I love that. It it makes us, again, it's the aspect we always talk about, that community is important. Why is community so important? It's not just me. I meet the, it's the me too. It's not just me. You too, that feeling of someone else gets it. And giving it a name is super helpful. Yeah. So then you have a language to use and we do that a lot, even when we make up words in our parenting and therapy 101 <laughs> cloops, which is literally a made up word. Like if there isn't a word for this, let's let's make it up or let's borrow it. Like the emotional thermostat that I heard on the podcast, because it resonates for a certain reason. I guess part of my desire in discussing this as a topic was also for those parents that might be listening out there who are thinking, oh my gosh, I hear my kid in one of these stories or someone that's listening that has a partner or a relative that is like this. Because I spent a lot of my life trying to figure out sometimes the why of how we're different and personality tests have helped with that a lot. People are just different and that's okay. But also whatever this is, knowing, like you said, that there are people that have that in common with you and also knowing that there are, are definitely people you love. If you are this way, they may not be or vice versa and that they can still be understanding gained there. Right. So if some, yes, if this is not something somebody goes through, but they know someone who does that, at least there's a little bit hearing what they're going through and knowing, okay, this is not just something that's going to just going to move on and do something else. And no, this is going to weigh them down. This is going to be on their mind. They're going to think about the, I I do this even with um, the news. Like I can hear a story about someone and it can weigh on me Mm. in a palpable way where I just, you know, feel sick. And I, you know, I, I'm sensitive to graphic stuff too. So like if there's a video that shows up in my feed that says warning graphic violence i'm not going to watch it mm-hmm. that i appreciate those warnings because i have a hard time with those things in my head and um we had a very tragic story in our community during the pandemic a little boy who was abused and died when the community found out you know everybody's doing the why didn't we know what could we have done and i know it was weighing on everyone and someone had uh, an idea for a way to memorialize and recognize this little boy and do you remember what the name of it was was it light up the sky or something like that turn on the lights something like that the I, this little boy had been kept in a room with no light i don't i can't remember if there were no windows or if they were covered no, up they were they were covered up so he had no light and all those all those years of childhood he didn't get 
sunlight. He didn't, he was just in this dark room. And that was why the idea was let's light up the night or light up the sky or whatever it was. And at that time in our town, at the same time every day, or at the same time of that day, we all turned on our lights for the little boy. And when I looked at the clock and it was time to do it, I was like, oh, this is neat, like to do something with the community. And I know it doesn't do anything, it doesn't fix it, it doesn't anything, but it just felt like a the way a ritual can be healing, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's symbolic too, because yeah, you can light up the night and also we can start having discussions as a community about mm-hmm. how to become more aware of these situations. Yeah, which we did, which, which our community did rally and do. When we turned on all the lights, even though I know it's just a ritual, I remember being like, wait, open those curtains over there. You know, open the, it was nighttime. We turned on all the lights and I got really weepy. I got really emotional thinking about this little boy, thinking about how he didn't have light and the idea that we were in a way, maybe like sending him light. I don't know. Like I've got chills thinking about it, but I just, I thought we were just turning on the lights and participating in this community communal memorial but i i got really emotional thinking about it and i ached for that little boy the little boy that to my knowledge i never met um that's that emotional thermostat turned turned up turned on high yeah i know sometimes that people that don't think or feel this way will say why would you do that to yourself like why would you dive into someone else's story and super empathize and it's like you said earlier i don't know how to turn it off Mm -hmm. And I don't think that just because there are difficult emotions involved with witnessing the plight of someone else that we should avoid it. Right. Because when I've gone through difficult things, it meant a lot. It meant a lot to me that there were people that wanted to show up and hear about it. And it did feel like they were carrying part of it Mm -hmm. for me, especially when you feel things that heavily. There's that community piece again. Somebody's there with you. You are not alone. And even though you're probably carrying the brunt of it and most of it just having someone aware of what you're going through caring about what you're going through lightens that load just a little bit i remember when my dad died in a you know different state we were up there with him when he died and for the funeral and in that haze of grief it the world looks different everything feels different this person who was in the world is now not in the world in the same way and I just, it's just a haze. It's almost dissociative. And I I remember driving back. I specifically remember driving by the grocery store as we got close to our house and I'm looking out the window and I saw all these people bustling in and out. It was around dinner time. It was that time after work where people stop at the store to get a few things. And I, I still remember that moment. I remember this. I remember looking at them and thinking, how are you shopping? How, how are you going about your day? Like my dad died. Why is the world still spinning? Like it just... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I think if you can be that momentary recognition for someone else, mm-hmm. whether it's the person who's getting the coworkers rolling their eyes and sighing at them, or that child that's getting yelled at in the grocery store, maybe there's a reason that there's people with emotional thermostats turned up a little bit high so that so that we can become the helpers and also to find each other in the world where we need to protect ourselves sometimes. I like that you're bringing up ways to, because we said earlier, I don't know how to turn it off and I don't either because it's who we are and why would we want to turn that off? Mm -hmm. It is who we are, but it can also, people say it's a blessing and a curse because sometimes it's this wonderful thing and sometimes it's burdensome. Mm -hmm. And so we, to protect ourselves, boundaries is a perfect way to do it. And then there's that idea of self-care and, um, another word we use in trauma therapy and 
also in Cardigan Academy with our clients is noticing. Notice that this is upsetting you. Notice that it's draining you. Because when we begin to notice that, we sense that, like you said earlier, that shift. And maybe we start associating it with, oh, okay, there's that shift. This is stressful. How do I get ahead of this? What's something that helps me feel better? Oh, talking to Devani helps me feel better or doing a jigsaw puzzle helps me feel better or has my blood sugar dropped and do I need a snack? Like that noticing the body shift and recognizing, okay, something just, something stressful, something heavy, something's happening here. So now what can I do as I navigate this Mm -hmm. to take care of myself a little bit at the same time? And it's one of the things I love about working with you, even before we turn to this recording on today, you and I were talking about things stressing us out, things we need to do. And I feel like we each were able to give the other person the grace and space that that person was having a hard time finding for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's important to remind yourself if you are wired like this, or if your kid is a good thing to model for them is that A no can be a not right now. I had a message today over social media to support someone through a similar experience to the one we went through with our daughter who died, and I couldn't today. And so I said I don't have anything right now, and then I said to this friend who was relaying the messages, she was, you know, the go-between, if I think of anything in the next few days, I'll reach out. That just gave me a little bit of breathing room. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't said no, absolutely not, I have space if things free up in my heart, in my Mm -hmm. schedule, and in my brain over the next couple days. And that honestly, it's okay, too, if that doesn't happen. I don't have to be that for everyone. And that's, I'm guessing, been a learned skill. Yeah. The part about how you don't have to do that for everyone. Has that always come easily for you? No, it hasn't. And I've really leaned into, like you said, noticing when, I don't know, it's just like the urge to say yes versus whatever it is that's like, I'm either I'm in it with my own grief, even though it's been 10 years, like I'm writing her memoir that's been very difficult. And so sometimes maybe it's not this month, maybe it's not this year because I'm so in this writing process. And again, that doesn't mean that I won't ever be there to support someone, but that it's it's okay to say no and to mentally remind yourself that that's just a not right now. That's that's a great way to look at it and takes that pressure off of us. And it leaves the possibility as well, the possibility that you can come back to it when you feel up to it. There's also a component that almost feels contagious to me. <laughs> the other day I was meeting a friend. There was an event going on in the town that we were going to have breakfast in. And so when I pulled up where we would normally go to eat and to park, I was flagged over and rolled my window down and this borderline frantic woman (laughs) was telling me that I could you you can't park here today and I said okay so I was trying I could feel myself in the moment both trying to take the information from her and trying to like turn down her emotional thermostat because I know mine likes to like sink (laughs) (laughs) And then she went on to tell me that if I did want to park down on the road, I had to make sure that I was pulled off far enough so that, you know, I didn't get a ticket. And we just ended up going to a totally different town for breakfast. Like I pulled over and called my friend and was like, no, we're just going somewhere because I needed to just physically not be there. (laughs) And whatever had happened to this woman before that, you know, maybe the previous person that was trying to go out for breakfast there had yelled at her. So she was already Mm -hmm. up here. Mm -hmm. 
But that reaction to me then rose mine. And yeah, I guess it was just awareness that that is also something that I do take it with me. Mm -hmm. I like how you said it sinks because when you told me this story, I could feel it. I could feel the frenzy of the women. Like, you can't park here. Like, okay, you just got there. You have no background on why she's up here. But like that would trigger me because I have a hard time being around people who are up here with anger or frenzied. Mm -hmm. And like, I can be pretty good in a crisis also in a weird way because I can hyper focus but just that what you described it can be very triggering for triggering for me and it reminds me that many of us many of our clients that we work with may be carrying some childhood stuff that causes something to be a trauma response and so when I'm around someone who's up here like you've described honestly I feel fearful it feels like danger it feels like this person i don't like being yelled at i don't like that fe- that high stress feeling it it stresses me out and i so i think when you said you sink as you were describing this story that's what i i would sink and i think mine comes from this is triggering me this is upsetting and i don't want her to yell at me or get mm-hmm. mad and so i sink like you said sink and try to bring her down yeah i think there's a a protective quality about that like there is a you and I are helpers. We like to help the other person and definitely we want to help them go, Hey, like it's okay. And neither one of us is condescending. Like we're not going to be, Hey lady, calm down. Or, Oh, it looks like you're having a stressful, like it's not going to be how you and I operate. So we want to make them feel better. But if I'm being honest, I think there's a part of me in addition to that, that is saying danger. I want, I want to bring down this danger. I'm scared. And in that case, it was very easy for me to roll up my window, call my friend and go somewhere else for breakfast. (laughs) And if this was someone that I needed to interact with further, or for example, the person checking me in at the doctor's office, that would have been very different because I, that's not a situation that I can remove myself. Roll up the window. From, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I guess, I think maybe I need to think of it like that. Like we have these emotional thermostats and we also have ways to roll up the window, (laughs) even when we can't roll up the window. (laughs) I'm thinking of a Zoom call, like end call. (laughs) Tunnel. (laughs) It's like... Who yeah. wants to go back to in person where you're like, this meeting's dragging on and like, I can hit a button and be done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the other day, Devity, you told me a story <laughs> that I absolutely loved because I so, so, so got you. And I was telling my family about it and they were giving that, my kids were giving me that look they give me of bemused, yeah. but they, they like it. They love us. But they're also not there with you. No, they don't. This may not be how they would respond, but they're like, yep, that's my mom. That's (laughs) Stephanie. Because I was telling the story to them and I was telling it with the energy that I think you felt that day because I was like, this is so cool. And as I'm telling it to them, I look on their face of bemused uh, pride or like, I don't know, like amusement and love and adoration and awe. Isn't she cute? (laughs) Was the look I get when I'm dancing in the kitchen or messing up an idiom or whatever. Um, I I was so excited. So I was like, yeah, Devin and I were talking the other day about how, you know how I build things up in my head? Well, Devin does it too. <laughs> and I said, so for those listening, if you're not here in Pennsylvania or in the 
mid-Atlantic region, there was some kind of mystery, something going around that was killing songbirds. Mm -hmm. And they don't know what it was, but they think it was linked to people's bird feeders or their bird feeders not being cleaned out. They really... Yeah, they still never figured out what it was. But the concern was if birds were kind of like the pandemic, if... (laughs) we congregate, we continue to spread illness. Oh, that's why they said put the bird feeders away. Oh, okay. That makes sense. They asked everyone, please pull in your bird feeders and clean them out and just don't put any bird feeders up for a while. So we did. We pulled in all our bird feeders. After a few weeks, I believe it was, went by. The, the Was it the, the Wildlife Commission? Yeah, I heard the Pennsylvania Game Commission as well as the Audubon Society had lifted it. Yeah, they lifted the restrictions. So Devaney and her husband went to get bird seed. (laughs) Maybe you should tell this part because I don't want to speak for you, but I love this. I thought that I wouldn't be the only one rushing into the store that very day. I was imagining like a reunion and celebration of bird watchers locally in the bird seed aisle of the hardware store. Like, we can do it. We're putting them back up and the birds will come back and of course no one was there but me and not only was it lonely but then I also had the realization that I mean I've seen it just like we have with the pandemic some people never even stopped feeding the birds I mean there were literally people online that were like you can't tell me what to do Mm -hmm. with the bird feeders as well so then it went from like you know me turning the corner of the bird seed aisle with wide eyes and anticipation to nope just me and (laughs) Like frustrated with a bag of bird seeds slung over my shoulder. (laughs) I even considered saying something to the cashier. Like, I mean, you know, I am buying this, right? (laughs) It's not his fault. (laughs) (laughs) See, which is the opposite of earlier when you said people like, you know, you emotionally dump on someone. This is like wonder and excitement that you want to share. And I so so I get like that. When I see something I think someone else will like, I want to give it to them and send it to them and show them. And when I'm super excited, like, I just, I don't know. I, I totally, like, when you told me this story and I was telling it to my family, I was smiling ear to ear because picturing you going in, wide-eyed wonder, into the bird seed aisle for a reunion of bird enthusiasts. We all high-five each other. Birds again. Like, I get that you and I play things out in our head like this movie montage set to this incredible (laughs) anthemic music. (laughs) It's just inspiring and amazing. And I love that about us. And even that's an emotional thermostat thing. Like, it's not, you did not just go to the store to get bird seed while you just dissociated and thought about nothing. It was a whole thing (laughs) in my head yeah the whole thing in your head I'm glad I could share with you and you could enjoy it as well I I absolutely enjoyed it and I enjoyed telling my family and seeing their reaction and just saying like I get her like I I so get that and I I feel like the the heaviness of it it's not heavy in that palpable sad way like we were talking earlier it's but it's still it's expending some of our energy it's not easily turned off cuz we are legit excited right like this is amazing we get so excited and we're almost like trying to like hold it in yeah. like do not telling the cashier yeah. like whoa <laughs> do you know what today is <laughs> But I feel like 
the phrase that comes to mind for me is the weight of possibility. And that sounds like, I don't know, an oxymoron because weight sounds heavy and possibility sounds exciting and light, but that's what it is, mm -hmm. the weight of possibility. And I, I often feel that way when I have the simplest interaction with a person because I get attached pretty easily too. I can have the most benign, simple interaction with someone and part of my mind is like, is this a lifelong friend? Is this our meet cute? Is this our story? Like I was standing, you know, at the DMV and I had a conversation and then she became like a sister to me. Like <laughs> I am playing this out in my mind, like this big, huge thing. So everyone I talk to is, this, it may or may not just be a conversation with a stranger, but this could be this incredible long-term amazing thing. Like the story that went viral about the that kid who was texting his grandma, I think it was, mm -hmm. right? And he accidentally texted some other number and it was, how did it go? She invited him for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, yeah. And was he just saying happy Thanksgiving to his grandma? I don't I can't know. Remember. It was something like that, but she welcomed him into her home as a stranger and they met for several years that way. And yeah, it was a really great story. I love, I see, I love those stories. I love, I love knowing how people met. How did you, I, these are just amazing stories that be become something more than an interaction. Cause there, again, there's that community piece and there's that, the other thing we talk about at Cardigan Academy a lot is connection. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's, it's a connection. It's, Yes, not every connection is going to turn into this grand thing in a movie montage with anthemic music. But the fact that it does in our heads. <laughs> you know what else it makes me really good at? You might not know this about me, but I have had several positive reviews or testimonials that I've given to companies that they have either published on their website or used in marketing material <laughs> because it's that same thing, right? Like if I love your business, I am going to shower you with praise and excitement and do a lot of that marketing for you. And in both cases, I didn't know they were going to use it. One was a restaurant that used to be here locally and they used it on their gift cards. Oh. The other one was our um, HVAC company. And the quote is we went to their website to schedule like a follow up with my husband's like, you know, your review is on their website. <laughs> Let me see. That's so cool. See, that's yeah. something else you and I do is like, I always think people are very quick to when they're mad, write a nasty yeah. review and whatever. But I maybe yes, sometimes, of course, we're, we've all been there. I also get like you excited to give the good feedback. I, I hope you know how much I appreciated XYZ today or mm -hmm. just to a friend even, you know, I I have had the experience also throughout my life of, and this goes back to what you're saying, right? Like, what is it? What is this thing? What is this where I, someone's on my mind. They're just on my mind. And so I, I reach out and I just say, I'm, I'm thinking about you or I miss you or you came to my mind today. And I often hear from people that the timing of when I do that is uncanny. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's what they needed or yeah, me too. I needed to hear that or that's happened to me throughout my whole life. I don't know what it is. It's just sometimes I do. I think of someone and so I tell them and a lot of times it seems to be good timing or what they need. So I try to always like also follow those mm -hmm. feelings that I get. So I think it's the, this emotional thermostat thing that we're talking about is like we either it's played like a movie montage to this amazing music or it's like triggered and we create this entire backstory like the other day a good friend set up a delivery for me. It was amazing. It's like a ton of 
chocolate peanut butter, Reese's peanut butter. It was just like this incredible plethora of Reese's treats. And she just wanted to like brighten my day because she knows it's been a lot with Mark having a breakthrough case of COVID and just all this stuff. And she just wanted to cheer me up. And I, I look back and realize she'd even done a little detective work because she'd ask questions like, how do you know when somebody cares about you? What's your favorite chocolate? Aww. And this thing for me. And I was like, oh, well, when she said she had scheduled the delivery, I wasn't sure if she was coming. So, you know, I got showered and dressed just in case. And I had my mask handy and I knew it was between two and three. And then I saw someone delivering it and taking a picture of our front door. So I thought, okay, it's one of these grocery delivery, their bags, you know, from the grocery store. And so I said, oh, okay, it's not her. She had arranged a delivery. I saw the man take the picture, waited for him to walk away. And then I went out and grabbed bags. Well, then I'm spreading out this incredible, wonderful, thoughtful gift. And the kids are like, wow, I'm like, look at all this stuff. Like, and some of them I didn't even know about, like really cool treats. We we're all excitedly looking at it. And I'm messaging my friend and thanking her because also her timing was impeccable. Oh. As we're doing this in the distance, I hear sirens. And I don't like the sound of sirens. There's like a PTSD response for me. And it's, I, I immediately, my whole body tenses up. I get worried. And my, I looked at my kids because I, my face, I, I felt my face express what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And so I shared with my kids. So they weren't like, uh oh, what happened to mom? And I just looked at them and said, because I, I could tell they saw it. They saw my face. And I said, oh, I just, I just heard those sirens and I guess my mind went to, oh my gosh, that man came and he brought us these groceries and this is probably a side hustle to make money and the economy's so bad and it's a pandemic and oh gosh, I hope he's okay and did he get hurt? And I don't know who this man was. Mm -hmm. I don't know why he delivers groceries, but I I created this entire backstory. Yeah. And so it wasn't just, oh, I hear sirens. I hope everyone's okay that I always feel. Mm -hmm. There was this added component of he was here, he left. I hope he's okay. I hope everybody's okay, whatever mm -hmm. this thing is. So I feel like we have this the emotional thermostat thing is for both the amazing movie montage and yeah. this backstory the that, the yeah, the worry, the are they okay? It's feeling for people, both sides, the ultra happiness and just ultra feeling whatever for them. I think because we both are often thinking about people. I will do this thing where I'll be telling someone about someone else and say, do you know, do you know them? You should know them because <laughs> you kind of, you want to start putting people together, these connections, mm -hmm. right? And Stacy and I both do this. And so it's been really cool through Cardigan Academy to start connecting people with those resources we love or the community that they need professionally and on a larger scale. And I also love when it's, uh, as you say, a love connection. Like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, Devani, you, you know who you would love? You would love my friend Jane. And, you know, then you find this amazing memoir group and say to me, and I don't know everyone in that group, right? And you're like, all of them, this is just such an amazing group mm -hmm. of women. Or I've always over the years seen you make social media posts about someone who's a wonderful massage therapist, or mm -hmm. I don't know, you just give these shout outs and you connect people. And I've always loved and admired that about you. And I, you're right. I recognize I, I do that too. And it's, it's wanting people to have that connection, that community, that the thing we're missing in our society, we shouldn't be alone. We shouldn't be suffering alone. We shouldn't be isolated. We need one another. I've always seen that in you as a friend. And just, I just feel very lucky that we get to do this through Cardigan Academy too, because that's probably that's probably one of my absolute favorite parts about what we do is 
connecting people with other people, with resources, just making things a little easier by helping people know they're not alone. Yeah, and so now that you've heard about our emotional thermostats, there should be no question in your mind when we say, when you come to us at Cardigan Academy, we really do care and we really do think about you beyond our virtual time together. 100%. (laughs) 1,000%. A million trillion to the moon and back infinity percent. (laughs) Movie montage music plays. (laughs) Stacey, do you have an extracurricular? I do. So for our Cardigan Academy anniversary, you brought over a treat for me. And it was salted caramel Oreos, which I had said, I had mentioned, I love food. And I had mentioned when I saw the news article about this flavor, I love sweet and salty together. Mm -hmm. And so I really like salted caramel. And this was a new Oreo flavor, which I think are fun to try. There's some I'm not interested in trying, but many of them, especially the chocolate-based ones, I get excited to try. You did a sweet thing for me. And on top of that, you knew it was something that I was interested in and excited about. And so I was excited just that you did something that you thought of me. And then on top of that, it was like, oh my gosh, it's salted caramel Oreos. And so just a shout out for the Oreo flavor. It was really good. Mm. It was, they had salt like on the cookie, plus the caramel, I think was a little salted. So it is just like it's an Oreo, but with salted caramel and a little salt on the outside of the cookie. And it was delicious. Do you remember when we were having a conversation a couple months ago about hearing that my sister-in-law is like she will find all of the special edition oreo flavors oh yeah that's right so as soon as you posted that you liked that i was like courtney i need your help (laughs) and she knew right away which what stores have them and so i have to give her credit there as well like the mission impossible yeah yeah (laughs) oreos (laughs) oreos Well, I wanted to give a recommendation, as I do, for my extracurricular today to the side business that Stacy's kids started during the pandemic out of a need that one of our clients had expressed. So the client and myself as well both have kids who would be watching other people play video games on YouTube. And none of these videos were that questionable, but they just weren't the best. Like They weren't swearing, but they weren't the best models for sportsmanship. There was a lot of yelling. Like it was just, I would roll up, roll up my window on that. And (laughs) (laughs) end meeting. Yeah. So we were having this discussion with this client and Stacy, you had joked that Max would be the perfect person to do this virtually with the kids. Like if they could get together and play while they were chatting online and our client was very enthusiastic, like, sign <laughs> me up. And I also was like, this sounds amazing. And so it's Gamer Pal and you can follow them on Facebook. Max is just such a great role model and will talk to kids about whatever they might be working on. So Kate does the communication with the parents and scheduling. And so if you tell her, like for my son, he is working on speech sounds. So, hey, Max, remind Daniel once in a while while you're playing, which is great practice because then he's already engaged in something and now he's remembering to use those 
uh, sounds he's working on with his speech therapist in real life application. But it could be anything. It could be, like I said, losing graciously. Um, I remember one time Dan was playing with Max and Dan was, I don't even know. I forgive me. I don't know. This is part of why I love Gamer Pal because Dan <laughs> could play this with someone else. But I think Dan was taking a lot of Max's resources and Max reminded Dan, okay, when you're playing this with your friends though, <laughs> other people might have an issue with this. So and it's just nice. You can do an hour, you can do two. And especially as we head into another school year where a lot of people are making out-of-the-box education choices and may need a virtual helper for some time in the day, Gamer Pal on Facebook. Thank you. I didn't even know you were going to talk oh. about that. It's so sweet. When you said it, I, I frightened. I'm really proud of them. It's been good for them as well as teenagers who it's not so easy to go out and get a regular job right now mm. with the pandemic. They do a really good job and the feedback from parents just always makes me really happy. A lot of these kids know Max, but some haven't met him in person yet and would like to Yeah. someday. <laughs> They're like, let Max know that they are going to have a play date <laughs> someday. Celebrity in status. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They are providing autographs today, like photo <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> Birthday party appearances. <laughs> if you're interested in learning more about parenting, education, and mental health from our therapist teacher team, check us out at cardiganacademy.com. And we are also on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Mm -hmm.